Proteus Leadership proudly presents the Let's Go, Let's Grow podcast with Des Penny, co-CEO and founder of Proteus Leadership. Hi everyone, welcome to the Let's Go, Let's Grow podcast. I'm Des Penny and on this podcast episode we'll be discussing a topic that every one of us has had to deal with at some time in our life and many still are and that is embracing the imposter syndrome. I'm joined once again by Richard Dorr, who's my co-CEO at Proteus Leadership, and has both spoken and written articles on this incredibly confronting topic. Richard last joined us on podcast number two to discuss all things culture. Welcome to the podcast, Richard. Thanks, Des. Great to be back. Look, I think both of us could speak for hours on examples of how the imposter syndrome has impacted on our lives. I know how destructive it was for me when I started the Proteus Leadership business. And to be honest, when I started to speak to large groups, I thought it would kill me. But we both learned not to delete it from our lives, but instead learned how to manage it. As a leadership educator and coach, you frequently speak about the widespread prevalence of the imposter syndrome, particularly among those in leadership positions. And you also often acknowledge that the feeling of being an imposter can be incredibly daunting and inhibiting. However, you also spend a great deal of time offering guidance to individuals and workplaces on how they can leverage those crippling moments of self-doubt and turn them into opportunities for personal development, transformation and growth. In fact, you go as far as to state that we need to learn to embrace the imposter syndrome moments. So Richard, welcome back to the Let's Go, Let's Grow podcast. And let me ask you right up front, where did the term imposter syndrome come from? And how long do you think it's been with us? I think the imposter syndrome's been around as long as we've been around, Des. But did you know the imposter syndrome was originally coined the imposter phenomena back in the 70s? There were a couple of US psychologists, so Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imus, back in 1978. They first described this concept in their paper, The Imposter Phenomena in High Achieving Women. They used it to describe the phenomena they observed among high-achieving women who believed that they were not as competent or as intelligent as others perceived them to be, and that, that their success was due to luck or some other external factor rather than their own abilities. But remember, that was back in the 70s. Things have certainly changed since then. So how would you define the imposter syndrome and how it shows itself? And I guess, can you also clarify what it isn't? Do you know, at a mild level, imposter syndrome can be described as doubting your abilities, talents or accomplishments, and it's a feeling that you do not deserve your current success or position or good fortune. So it's when you doubt yourself despite external evidence to the contrary. But when it's really bad, when it's acute, you feel like you're a complete phony or it's a dread of being found out and exposed as a fraud. And that's just horrendous. You know? So emotionally, mentally, psychologically, that feeling of being a phony, being found out, can be incredibly overwhelming. But what it's not, it's when you are what I call being consciously incompetent. Did you get that? Consciously incompetent. So if I'm coaching someone... And they're in a new role and they go, Richard, I'm, I'm feeling like a phony. When you dig a bit deeper, I go, no, you're not. You're just consciously incompetent at the moment. That still feels horrible. 
but you don't know but what you do know you don't have the skills yet to be confident in that area so this is a really important distinction because you are not feeling like a fraud or undeserving you just don't have the skills yet and you need to do some development work to gain those new skills so taking all that into account do you think that the imposter syndrome impacts on certain people or groups or is that just a myth well, basically anyone in a leadership role, regardless of title, that needs to be constantly changing is going to feel like an imposter at times. So everyone that is adapting to stay relevant while trying to gain new skills to navigate this crazy disruptive world we now live in. In my experience, the only people who don't experience imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome moments are people who are currently unconsciously incompetent, you know, so they're lacking that insight. And of course, narcissists or psycho, the psychopaths of this world, they don't experience the imposter syndrome moment. A couple of myths. Myth, myth number one, only a few people experience this. And that's just not true. Many people experience. So often people feel like they're alone and there must be something wrong with them. And the other myth, of course, is the male-female myth. People think, oh, is it more prevalent in women? So although the origins come from studying high-achieving women who suffering from imposter syndrome back in the 70s, I can't find any research telling us that women suffer more from this than men. What's interesting, though, when I'm coaching leaders, I do find women in general are much quicker to fess up to having imposter syndrome moments, and they'll seek out help to address this. So most people, and especially successful people, will experience some form of imposter syndrome in their careers and over their lives, regardless of gender, privilege or background. So how prevalent do you think the imposter syndrome really is? And do you think it's increasing in recent days? Well, if you look back at the studies, one published by the International Journal of Behavioural Science, this is in 2011, found that up to 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. Now, I'd say only 70%, think about that, at some point in their lives. So 70% have experienced it. There's another study in the Journal of Vocational Behaviour in 2019, so this is just before COVID, found that 20 to 30% of professionals experience moderate to high levels of imposter syndrome. So that's one in four, one in five people will experience it. But I believe it's increased for two key reasons. The good news, we now are much more familiar with this term of the imposter syndrome as a concept. So people are much more prepared to be vulnerable and acknowledge when they're feeling this. And two, we live in a world of such radical change that we're required to be constantly stretched and live outside our comfort zone. So we constantly feel like that we're, we're making it up. And the thing is, we are making it up. So I know that you talk about having imposter syndrome moments as opposed to suffering from permanent imposter syndrome. Why that distinction? Well, it's all about identity and mindset. Being an imposter is crippling. It damages our sense of integrity and self-worth. No one wants to really believe that they are a fraud and living in a constant state where they're going to be found out. That's just a life of acute tension and despair. So referring to someone with imposter syndrome sounds like a diagnosis. Joe's great, but they have imposter syndrome. Whereas if you flip that and say Joe sometimes has imposter syndrome moments, now this is transitory. It still feels horrible, but imposter syndrome moments don't define you. 
In fact, it humanises that person. We can all empathise with someone having an imposter syndrome moment. So if you're prepared, you can look for ways to transform those deeply unpleasant moments into opportunities for positive growth, even transformation. Look, I know we've got a lot of listeners today who are in leadership roles. Do you think that there are times in our career or life where we're likely to experience having more imposter syndrome moments? If so, what are they? Well, in my experience working with our clients across all industries, it's especially common after a promotion or a change in job roles or working on really complex projects or when you're facing new challenges or experience high levels of uncertainty. So basically, this can happen very often. It can also happen if you're working in a toxic environment. So if you're dealing with a very toxic culture or with a narcissistic boss and group of colleagues, it's really easy in those moments to start doubting yourself and have imposter syndrome moments. So is it possible to transform and grow from these imposter syndrome moments? And and how do we do that? Absolutely. In fact, there are some good news to these unpleasant imposter syndrome moment experience. They can really teach us valuable life lessons and it can be the birthplace of growth, innovation and be a positive guide to help us move forward, especially if we acknowledge and then embrace the following few concepts. Firstly, as I mentioned before, you are not alone. Remember, most people and especially successful people will experience this at times. Secondly, it's back to that mindset. Don't let these imposter syndromes define you. Don't say to yourself, I'm a phony. Say to yourself, I'm human and I'm having an imposter syndrome moment. We need to remind ourselves that this will be transitory, but it's only if we're prepared to sit in that discomfort of those moments, then do the work to gain insights along with proactive action to be generally, generally transformational. And the third thing is you've got to go for a growth mindset. So how does that help? I mean, having a growth mindset, we hear a lot about that, but how does that help in relation to the imposter syndrome? Well, when you adopt a a growth mindset for life, we can always flip our thinking to acknowledge that a certain healthy amount of imposter syndrome is actually a good thing because it's telling us something important needs our attention. And a particular area of development we actually need to work on for growth to move beyond feeling inadequate to someone who can be confident. I love what Adam Grant says about this. He's the organisational psychologist and author, and he states that the highest form of self-confidence is believing in your ability to learn. And he has this great take on flipping your thinking with imposter syndrome. So an imposter syndrome mindset says, I don't know what I'm doing. It's only a matter of time until everyone finds out. Whereas a growth mindset says, I don't know what I'm doing yet. It's only a matter of time until I figure it out. You've been writing and speaking on this topic for some time now, so I'm going to ask you, do you still have imposter syndrome moments? I have them all the time. I have it coming into this podcast, ironically. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, as <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm going to be found out that I'm not the expert in the imposter syndrome. I'm a public speaker of leadership programs, workshops and keynotes, and I constantly have imposter sy- syndrome moments. And in those moments, I can be suddenly consumed with self-doubt and have a fear that someone's going to find me out. I'm not 
really deserving to be here. I'm a dairy farmer's son standing up in front of groups of people sharing leadership concepts. So that happens particularly when I'm presenting to senior people who are more qualified, more experienced, more intelligent than me. So these, can inclu- these, these people can include academics, engineers, CEOs, clinicians. The list goes on, Des. I could keep naming them. You know what? It's interesting, Des. You know, you're on stage all the time. You're a public speaker, a podcaster, editor, editor of a leadership magazine. What's your uh, insights or what have you discovered about imposter syndrome moments? Well, it's really interesting because when I first started public speaking, it, it absolutely scared the crap out of me. And... Uh, it wasn't just about me overcoming the imposter syndrome. One of the things that really helped me was understanding the audience as well. And when I realised that it's not a competition, that in actual fact other people will know as much as you do, you just have to be yourself and deliver the message that you've got there without competition. Also, the second thing was that if we only do things to be liked then we're going to live a very disappointed and ineffective life that will be full of imposter syndrome moments. And the last thing was that, whether we like it or not as public speakers, every time we stand up in front of an audience, 50% of people just won't like us, especially if we challenge them. So it was not just dealing with myself and my own imposter syndrome, it was also understanding the thinking of the audience, and that really helped me. I love that, especially it's not a competition and not everyone's going to like you. So any final tips for us on the imposter syndrome, Richard? Uh, Always love leaving people with some final tips. So firstly, embrace it. So really learn to sit with those momentary discomforts. And you can do this by flipping nervous to service. Be careful that you don't become too self-indulgent in those moments. Secondly, talk to it. Open up the conversations when you're having an imposter syndrome moment. People are much more empathetic now to have these conversations. Thirdly, I say reframe it. Basically, catch the story you're telling yourself and reframing it by writing your story out again. Write a new story. And the final important piece is rework it with action. So you've got to proactively put in the works. You know you've got some skills and confidence to work on. So be on the lookout for ways to transform these deeply unpleasant moments into learning opportunities for transformation and positive growth. Thanks so much, Richard, for your insight today. And I'm glad that I'm not the only one who suffers from it. (laughs) But I'm also glad that we can learn to channel it towards a better performance. You've been listening to the Let's Go, Let's Grow podcast. I'm Des Petty. Thank you for listening and encouraging you to sign up on your favourite podcast platform so that you can enjoy further episodes as they drop. Don't forget, you too can embrace the imposter syndrome for a better performance in life and in leadership.